yo, hey yo. Hey everybody, welcome back to Yo Let Me Tell You. My name is Chandler, I am your host, and today our special guest is a really, really good friend of mine. His name is Lawrence. Lawrence, why don't you say hi to everybody? Hello everybody, my name is Lawrence Pai. Uh, I'm a freelance musician in LA. Uh, I play in the Disneyland band. Um, I've gone on, I've done a couple tours, I've played music festivals on a couple cruise ships and I'm no one famous. I've just been like, <laughs> what's what's the term like? Uh, five feet from stardom, ten feet from stardom, something like that. I I have never even heard that. There, there's name. there's like a phrase where like, oh, you're like so close to someone who is a star, but you're never the star. Like that's me. Yeah, no, I I feel that. I feel that. I've I've seen that from you and like a, a bunch of people in our circle too, right? Like, a lot of you guys play at places where there's like bigger names and bigger people but you're just always kind mm-hmm. of in the back just like supporting yeah you'll never know who i am i'm just kind of there yeah 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 uh, um. i play saxophone i play piano i play flute um those i would say are my you know air quotes primary instruments like okay. i play a little bit of bass a little bit of guitar um and a little bit of drums but like only enough to l- track a demo i wouldn't say i would ever play those instruments live for a performance but i mean who knows yeah <laughs> everyone's like wait you can re- you you're good enough to record that on a demo like you must be great no like a demo is in it's like oh well this is the idea it's probably pretty rough or like pretty basic mm-hmm. and then i'll send it to like a good like a let's say i'm playing guitar i'll send it to a real guitar player and be like something like this but you know someone who can actually play this instrument <laughs> right 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 yeah dude how's how have you been over the last like uh like day that i haven't spoken to you <laughs> I, I guess we we don't speak like super super all the time but i think that we don't not speak that long either right yeah um i'd say in general like i'm i'm doing okay like quarantine's kind of um I'm an introverted person, so, like, I'm, like, mildly living, mm-hmm. but at the time of this recording, I think we're three months into the, four months into the quarantine, <sighs> Yeah, something um, like that. and I'm, like, mildly over it now, mm-hmm. um, and at the time of this recording, there's a lot of um, unrest on social media and in mm-hmm. multiple cities across the country so that's kind of exhausting yeah um but other than that i'm like i'm pretty all right you yeah. know eating good food practice music every day and yeah i'm a pretty simple guy yeah well i'm really glad to be talking to you today uh you've got some really cool stuff to share with us today um i'm going to just uh we're just going to jump right into it. Why don't you tell everybody uh, what you're going to be talking to us about today, and let's just get into the conversation. I will have questions along the way, but we can just kind of take it as we go. So I guess the big thing for me um, on my topic is I'm, I'm going to be talking about uh, – how do I phrase this? Like learning – efficiently and mostly i'm going to be talking pertaining to music um but i think that a lot of these things that i'm going to be talking about can be applied to like most of the arts if not most of like learning anything yeah and so you know i I would say like I did I I don't learn the conventional like American school system way where you just like study hard mm-hmm. and you just read the thing and then you do the work and then you like get it or like in the case of music like it's like oh you have to practice a lot of technique like you have to like really master your instrument and like I can do that but I I don't think that it benefits me as much as some other things that I've tried Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm like mostly here to talk about. Yeah. 
I before we get started, I want to say like so I'm I'm like really good friends with Lawrence. Me and him have known each other for like eight Since years you were like, now. You were you were a freshman. I was a sophomore in college. So yeah, like, I was eighteen when I met you. I was nineteen, and I turned twenty seven last week. So. Oh, math has escaped me. Yeah, I'm um, like, wait, I'm 26. I was eight 18. years. Eight yeah. years. Yeah, eight, eight years. years eight yeah. Years. Um. So yeah, we've we've known each other for a while. Lawrence is like a super good musician. I've I've just I've been there while he practices. I've called him in the middle of his practice sessions. Uh, you know, I've hung out in a house that he lived in while he was practicing. So, like all of those conventional methods that you were talking about right now, you use those methods but i don't think but i think that i'm really excited to hear about some of the other things that work out for you uh just because i know that like my own way of learning music when i was playing a lot of music has helped me learn a lot of other things so i'm really excited to hear what you have to say today right well it's just uh if you if you're ready i'll just yeah. jump right in dive on in so i think that my big problem and this is particularly with music education but I think that it does stem into regular education is that not every child processes information and learns the same way. And it's taken me many, many years. Like I think I really only knew in the last year that I'm like a very visual learner and a very like, I just have to hands on and do, do the thing type of learner. So like, you know, a generic example would be like in math class um, as a kid, you know, just memorizing. Um, well, actually, like that's a bad example. My mom's <laughs> a, a tax accountant and I'm like good at math, but except earlier, it's, you know, yeah, was yeah, yeah. very bad at calculating. But my, my point being is like I was never the type to like, oh, you study the theory and the principle behind why like, I don't know, two plus two equals four. I know it's very simple and tangible, but like, let's just use that for a second. You know, it was, I always had to learn it the other way. You know, you teach me two plus two equals four, and then I have to go and I figure out why, mm-hmm. why, why is two plus two equals four? Like, mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm, I've learned that I'm more of that type of a learner where I just kind of do it until I get it. And, and then I ask questions later or just figure out what what xyz is later gotcha if that makes any sense i don't know if i'm explaining it very clearly yeah well what Um, i hear you saying is that like rote memorization just was never a thing that got information to stick in your head for you yeah like i know kids growing up when i started learning how to play music um where reading music and playing rhythms and things that sort came super super naturally to them because it was like you know very tangible it was very concrete it was written down but i was i actually very for a really long time struggled to read music because Mm -hmm. you know it was just i my brain didn't function in that very tangible way yeah um and what i learned was that learning something by ear for some reason helped me a lot better so like a lot of the songs that I would play in like middle school jazz band. Um, I would like listen to the like recording instead of, of like learning how to actually play the part. Yeah. Because like, I just, for some reason in seventh grade, I could not understand how written rhythms worked and how it translated from the paper to actual music. Dude, you're like, I'm so happy you're saying that right now. Because that was literally my struggle in middle school band, learning how to play the trumpet. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, and I remember a time where there was this solo that like, I was like, like out of like 15 chairs, I was like 13th chair trumpet or something mm-hmm. like that in seventh grade. And he went, my teacher went down the line trying to teach everybody, like, like asking everybody who was in like the first part to play the solo and nobody could. And I was the only one like at the very end of the line who could play the solo and he's like, Chandler, have you ever seen the solo before? I'm like, no, but I, I, I heard it in the recording like a million times. Like, how can I not know how to play it? To this day, I still, I mean, up until the time I left the music major, I was very trash at reading music. <laughs> um, <laughs> I only ever learned parts by hearing them. Yeah, and I, I think 
that you know when when they teach music to kids they they teach them very academically and very mathematically and i think that's like one of the big problems that i have and this is specifically in like institutionalized music i'm not mm. talking about people who like learn guitar or like drums on their own at home i'm talking right. like you picked up an instrument in band class when you're in elementary school or middle school or uh strings class whatever but my point being is that like you know it they teach it in such a rigid academic mathematical way that like it doesn't really translate to the ear and like some kids who i think benefit from learning that way um i think they they really thrive in that but like i was not one of those kids and i know like maybe a couple minutes ago i had just said that i'm like a visual learner which is true for some things and tr and not true in this specific instance because like my eyes couldn't connect what I was hearing, what I heard. So like I would learn a song by ear, mm -hmm. but never, and I could play the solo really well. And, you know, like I never like got lost reading music because um, if, or at least if I heard my, if, was, if I was able to hear my part, I was like be able to figure out where I was. Mm -hmm. but um uh, where was i going with this i lost my train of thought sorry i'm so sorry <laughs> you're okay no you're um, good you're good i tend to ramble but no no, no good uh i'll probably just cut out this silence well no you're okay i i essentially what you're trying to say is like for example like i have my i have my guitar right here like you're you're basically saying that like there was no visual representation for like that that visual representation didn't like connect like this and like mm -hmm. the third line up on on mm -hmm. the staff like there was no real like i don't know if it's like an emotional pull or an intellectual pull but those mm -hmm. two things didn't necessarily equal each other actually note names connected fine it was rhythms rhythms okay so 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 if like da 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 like i could play da 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 um, or that 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 I could play something like that, mm -hmm. but I could never. If you put it on paper in front of me, I could never translate it to what it was supposed to be. Huh. huh. Does that make sense? That yeah, that's that yeah, that makes sense. I actually kind of found it quite the opposite for me, but that's okay. So, you know, but the way that I was taught music was very like, oh, you know. Like, here's one beat. Now, if you divide the beat in half, you get two beats. And, like, while I was good at math, it never really, <laughs> no pun intended, it never really added up for me. Yeah. Um, that, like, how to divide two, because I couldn't hear it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think when I, like, when I do teach music now, and I'm teaching students how to read, I'm really big on um, emphasizing knowing what the thing sounds like and knowing and translating that like you hear this and then it is this type of rhythm so like connecting the ear to what they see so that they can read music right so are you the kind of music teacher who will like say like oh that's like a a dotted eighth sixteenth rhythm uh think about here comes the bride or are you or do you like actually sing what the rhythm sounds like and then show them different variations of the rhythm and sing it to them kind of thing I'll sing it to them. I'll show them variations of it. Um, and I'll make them sing it too. Cause like the most, like a lot of kids, they can hear what you're singing, but then they can't like recreate it. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, like I, I think that going back to what I started this whole rant about was <laughs> that, uh, there are many ways people can learn things yeah um, and it's not just one way which is what my problem with like academic school and for both music and just like classes and stuff people learn differently mm -hmm. some people really need to go to the lecture and sit and hear the professor talk about it but they like can't they can barely read a paragraph right right you know and then some people are the types where they like really cannot stand sitting there for an hour and a half listening to a professor lecture about XYZ 
and they can just read the book. And there are some people who just need to like do the problem. Right. Um, and attack it head on. Uh huh. And so like getting more specific now when it comes to music, the first couple of uh, teachers I had were really, really big into more, more or less the academic stuff. Like, yeah. so they would teach me like, learn these scales, uh, learn these modes, learn these chords. And basically how I was taught music was very, very academic. It was like, oh, you know, very theoretical, very like, when you see this chord, you have to play this. When you see this line, you play this. Yeah. And that like, it just never really connected to me. And in high school, I started playing in a lot of like rock, pop, funk groups. Um, and a lot of those groups aren't very sheet music oriented. So it's all by ear and almost always like, I felt like I performed better and played better and locked in more with the band. If I just was playing by ear instead of by, by, by rote. Right. Or uh, by, by paper. Right. Uh, Basically like you're thrown into a situation where people say like, okay, we're going to put you in here. Just kind of figure out your way through it. And by given, by you being able to be given this, this way of like experimenting and like experimentation and exploration, you found yourself feeling a lot more at home in that style of learning. Yeah. And like at 16, 17, when I was doing that, like I didn't know that that was more beneficial to me. So like when I got to college, you know, you're 18 and you're, I went to music school and I'm like, well, I want to be a musician. Here's this teacher who's obviously like a professional musician. You know, my teacher in college plays at the Hollywood bowl regularly. Yeah. He, um, plays on a lot of the big Hollywood films. He plays saxophone and flute and clarinet. And um, he, again, one of those things where he's not famous, but you've almost everyone in the world has probably heard him play. Like he played oboe on like the little mermaid ride in yeah, dude, California I, adventure. I'm like, I'm like, I'm almost willing to say that I know for a fact that almost anybody listening to this has heard his, has heard his music somewhere before. <laughs> yeah. Like you would never know that it's him. But yeah. you've definitely heard him. Yeah. Um, he's in the credits, but you know, no one's ever looking at who played like saxophone for ten seconds on this one part. It's always Wait. like, oh, who wrote it? Randy Newman. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so like, but he, he his kind of teaching was very drilly, technique-y, theoretical, and you know, it was really helpful. I will say. But I think um, I, I did get much better from that. I, I'm not going to discount that type of learning. But the problem that I had was that I was then never able to apply um, the things that I had learned right. directly into playing. Like I couldn't just like learn a scale and then immediately go, well, I can just like pull it out at any time Yes. in the middle of a solo. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I feel like that was like my entire experience for mm-hmm. two years as a music major. I was like, everything you're telling me to learn, I will learn it. And it all makes like on like a theoretical level, it all makes sense. And then you put the horn into my hand and I couldn't recreate it. I want to know really quick. I want to kind of change the subject just really quick um, to ask you, like, what kind of effect does that have on you? as like a young musician or as just a student or as someone who's trying to learn something feeling like, I don't know, like what, what does that do to you? Cause I can imagine it's like, I'm not good at learning this or I'm not good at what I'm trying to do. Or like, maybe this is not for me. Like what kind of effect does that have on you when you're maybe put into a system of learning that doesn't feel like it's working out for you? It's kind of discouraging. No, it's very discouraging. I almost quit being a musician completely after I graduated. So I got my degree. Mm-hmm. And in the year after I got my degree in music, I was kind of like, um, well, now what? Like I, I did, I won an audition at Disneyland and that's where I work currently as a musician. Um, but I also play around town. But at the time when I graduated college six years ago, five years, five years ago, um, 
you know, I wasn't where I was now. I was fresh out of college. I had no gigs, no performances, no network besides my school network. I had just Disneyland where, where I was performing a couple times a week. And that was it. You know, wasn't doing, you know, other work. And it's kind of depressing when you finish and you're like, well, now I have to go out into the real world and I have to do this. And it's kind of like where... I'm not playing anywhere, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not, I, you know, I'm not saying that I deserve to play these places, but it's like, kind of like, oh, well, I'm not exactly getting called to play on Star Wars, I'm not exactly getting called to play at the Hollywood Bowl. And then, you know, beyond that, like as a artist, you know, it's, it's not like people think of me at the time and immediately go like oh my god lawrence like you gotta have him in your band like oh my god he's like such an amazing soloist or you know it i didn't have those kind of things and like i would like i i feel like when i left college the playing that i had was very you could just hear it that i was like thinking too hard because like i had been conditioned in four years of university to think about what i'm playing and like you know, music's a very artistic um, art form. I mean, all arts are artistic. <laughs> but it, it, it's, you know, if you think too hard about it, I think that it gets too brainy. And then I think some emotional connection gets lost. Mm-hmm. And it just sounds too rigid and not like music. Yeah, um, yeah. And... So I was very discouraged when I left college. You know, I wasn't sounding very good. I wasn't playing with a lot of people. Um, and it did almost make me quit because I wasn't learning very well. And I had, you know. So I took a, you know, for a year I was just kind of working at Disneyland and doing a gig here or there. And I found this new teacher. And it's very common for young musicians to continue to take lessons even into their, like, 30s and 40s like because i think there's always a different perspective you can learn yeah and so this new teacher um w- wonderful wonderful musician his name is katice same sort of deal you probably don't know him but he's played on a bunch of movies and things of that sort he actually played the he's most famous for the the flute solo from anchorman in 2004 yeah, haven't seen Anchorman, but I'm pretty sure oh, that well, people have. Yeah, <laughs> there's like a very famous like Will Ferrell plays jazz flute in that scene, and the yeah. ja- the jazz flute playing is like really really incredible, and that's the guy I started taking lessons from. Got you. And he was the first one to sort of get me to think a little differently because he started teaching me very differently. Um, and it we we did still focus on technique, but he started practice he started making me practice in a more efficient way this is kind of where it all started um he was having me practice you know very similar things to what my old teacher had me practicing yeah but he would you know force me to change the way that i practice it so like it's very common for musicians like just the most common thing is practice with a metronome Mm mm-hmm which is this thing for people who are not musician listeners out there. It just keeps the same tempo, click, 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 click of a song for you. Um, it's very common. Like when people, big artists, everyone, they record to click. Um, you know, it's, it's just one of those universal musician things that everyone knows yeah. about. Yeah. And it's very normal to just, you set the click at the right tempo and you just practice to that tempo. And now what this teacher had me do, because like when I left, again, my feeling, my, the way I played music was very emotionless. The timing wasn't always very good. Um, It was very brainy. He would have me practice my scales, but then he would do things like, okay, well, generally speaking in music, especially in like pop music, the good beats are two and four, which are the back beats. It's usually when you hear the snare drum mm-hmm. in the music or the claps yeah that's the yeah. that's like two and four and so he would have me set the metronome he's like well now you have to practice playing your scales with a groove like you can't just play them just to play them and you have mm. to keep your own time yeah 
And that was one of the first things that really opened me up into understanding music is more than just like notes Notes and rhythms on a page. It's like this groove feeling. You hear it and you feel it. And then like here are the straw beats. Like, can you play with it while making this really basic scale sound really good? Yeah. Yeah. And and then, you know, he would have me do things like, we'll start practicing this scale, but now you're gonna practice it um over these set of chords and over these set of different chord changes, like chords that move along in the song. Like, can you play the right scale to the right song, but like in real time? So like the way I was taught in college was okay, learn these scales. Oh, you've learned them now. Now just plug them into the song. And it's like, um, in like real time. And like, we never practiced it in real time. Yeah. It's just like, well, you know the scale, so you should just be able to call on it on a second's notice, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah and, yeah. you know. And I want to I wanna back up, every for everybody who like is still listening right now and like ha- doesn't have any musical background, like a scale is like the most basic <laughs> like musical thing that you could probably learn outside of just like straight like yeah. simple rhythms like scale is that like every like at the point that Lawrence was at at this point like what were you like 19 20 years old no no sorry you were like oh, no, I was 20, 21. 21 or 22 or something like that yeah um like you had been playing scales for probably over a decade at that point. Like, like playing scales is like nothing new to you at that point. No, but it was the approach. Yeah. It was a hundred percent the approach. Like he gave me like a little CD of like just a backing track with drums, bass, piano and said, practice along to these, you know, these are practice tracks essentially, but like Mm. you practice your scales over these. So the big thing that was so that you start to make the connection of what your knowledge of the scale is to your ear of what chord and what feel you're hearing, you know, of what the, whatever the drummer's playing. Cause if the drummer's playing like a jazz feel, you're going to play the, the scale a little differently groove wise. Cause you have to match the drummer's groove. Yeah. Then if, it, if it's like an R and B song or a rock song, you're going to play it differently. Like R and B, is you know a little bit groovier or like hip-hop or Mm. um that kind of stuff uh but like if you're playing rock music rock music's very on the beat you Mm -hmm. know it it feels very driving whereas like hip-hop and neosol don't really drive a lot like yeah they could be the same exact tempo but it will feel completely different you feel more laid back with like hip-hop neosol that kind of stuff right Mm -hmm. and so you would essentially these practice tracks, he was like, well, you know, you have to practice. You can't just practice everything one single way. You know, music, he's like, music is not that rigid where you just practice it this one way. And then you have it, you have to practice it in direct application of how you're going to use it essentially. Right. And so he didn't actually give you a whole lot of direction with this, right? Like he gave you a direction, which was, you know, play your scales in the groove of the song, but like he didn't mm-hmm. teach you he didn't tell you like what the groove was it was like all right Lawrence you're going to go figure out you're going to go home you're going to go figure out like what the groove is you're going to learn how to play these scales in that groove and you're going to come back to me and you're going to show me what like how you're doing it um right kind of thing exactly he would have like i mean pretty much you hit the nail on the head like he was like i'm not going to i can't feed this to you you have to go and you have to do the homework mm-hmm. like um, the homework being like practice these specific things and later on I'm going to get more even into like just doing the thing. Um, but he was sort of the first one that got me to really think outside of this box that I feel like I had been trapped in mm-hmm. and he was still kind of in the box, but maybe he was just outside of this bigger box. Um, oh, sorry. He was outside of this really small box, but he was still kind of in this box. Kind right. Of right. What I like about the way that he taught you, right? Um, and so, like, to kind of to put it into the terms for for the non musicians is that um, imagine in high school everybody annotates books, right? Like everybody annotates books, and everybody knows that there's like a formula on how you're supposed to annotate a book. You look for metaphors, you look for you know foreshadowing, and you write it down, and then you give your book to your teacher so that they can look at like the annotations and make sure that they're correct, right? Um, basically instead of the teacher teaching you all of these things, like what foreshadowing is, what a metaphor is, 
what your teacher basically did to you was go home, read the book, find things that stick out to you and tell me why they stuck out to you. And then through that, you're figuring out, oh, I like this line in the book because it kind of reminds me of what happens later in the book. And then you come back to the teacher and like, oh, you just learned about foreshadowing. I didn't teach that to you. You learned about it. I'm going to tell you that it has a name, mm-hmm. maybe. I'm going to tell you what it is, but you're going to learn it. And then the thing everybody is, comes back with something different, too, something unique. Yeah. And the thing is, like, there are um, – there. it's possible to learn something – and not know what the name is it is or not know what the t- like what to call it or what it is broken down to like there are the the musicians who learn by ear like i'm sure all of them know what a blues scale is what a like major scale is like all these music theory things but i would say that the big difference is that like they know what it sounds like and they don't know that that's what it's called but if you were to ever say, well, this is a major scale and you play it for them, they go, oh, I know what that is. <laughs> yeah. I just didn't know that, that there was a name for that. So it's like possible to learn, like you like using your book example, you're reading the book and you kind of see something that is, would be foreshadowing. It's like, it's oh, alluding to something that's about to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could learn what that is you know, even as a child, when you watch TV shows, there's all there's tons of foreshadowing. Um, yeah, the earliest... not like little kids shows, but like when you're like a young child, almost a teenager, there's a lot of foreshadowing in those shows, and you like probably don't know that it's called foreshadowing. That's yeah. allude that its definition is alluding to what's going to happen next. Like when you watch a cartoon and like all of the books on the shelf are like painted, but like that one is like drawn and animated. You're like, something's about to happen with that one book on the shelf right now. <laughs> yeah. Thing. And you exactly. And that's you, that's something that you've learned, mm-hmm. but you don't necessarily are knowledgeable about it. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like, so yeah so this this teacher mm-hmm. he got me to just like think outside of the box and learn things on my own and then we would discuss them and then like put tangible meaning to them yeah um but i've studied with him for like two and a half years and then i stopped um i've been meaning to actually go back to him because i feel like i've gotten a little bit better but um i've sort of been on my own for the last two years and now we sort of get into the next part of what I think about learning is like, well, it's more connecting back to the beginning. What I said, like everyone learns a little bit differently. And like, this is, has to do with me talking about the senses. So like everyone processes information a little bit differently and learns a little bit differently and, you know, there's a lot of musicians out there like Chandler and I, we have a good friend named Mark Mm -hmm. and that dude, like I, while he is, can understand tangible information very well. I think that his ears are so crazy that when he, the best way for him to absorb material is by listening to something. Oh, totally. Um, now for me, going back to what I said in the beginning, for the most part, I learn a lot of information valuable to me visually. Um, In a weird way, not specifically music, but in a lot of other things, specifically music. Like when I sort of think about when I play now or when I'm reading music, I don't read music in terms of like individual notes and rhythms anymore. I kind of like am reading the shape Mm-hmm. Uh, that really helps me at least like, yeah, I'm still reading the notes and rhythms, but instead of reading it like I would word for word, mm-hmm. I'm reading it sort of as an arc or as like a, yeah, a, a little, you know, picture. Right. Um, and that helps me. And when I sort of shifted my brain away from this very mathematical rigid, like, you know, this is this rhythm, it's on this beat, it's on, you know, equals this value of time. And I started looking at more, you know, something as I heard and then as a picture of the shape, it sort of all started to make sense to me. Yeah. Um, And then like, same thing. um, 
for me, a lot of things I learned visually, like uh, cooking. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say uh, you cook a lot, and I'm I, I I do cook a lot, but recipes do nothing for me. Yeah, yeah. And and like, there's those people who will like obsess over every little detail of their cooking. You know, they have to get you know for certain things you have to get your temperature and measurements right. Um, which is why I'm a terrible baker. Uh, but, and they, they, you know, they measure out exactly this much oil and like this much salt and pepper and like that, all of that for me never spoke to me. But what did speak to me was watching people cook like a steak. And then I just watched the video over and over. It's like, okay, like how much salt do they put in there? And like, I don't know how, what amount, like that doesn't speak to me. Like, but like I look at their hands and about how many sprinkles I guess they put, or yeah, in the yeah. cooking world they call it p- how many pinches of salt mm-hmm. they they use. Um, and like when I, I remember when I started learning how to cook, like when I was trying to get really really good at cooking steak, um, like making like a really good medium rare steak, I destroyed so much so many steaks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna be straight up. But never once did I like measure out the amount of salt that I was going to use, measure out the amount of pepper I was going to use and like measure the temperature of the pan or, you know, what, what have you. But like, I just went for it every single time. And like over time, as I've just kind of done it, I'm like, oh, like, you know, now I know how much salt to put in for a piece of steak about this size. Yeah. And I, I, I eyeball it every single time. And so that's what I mean. Like I learned very visually, but then on, on the flip side, there are probably people out there who know exactly how much like a tablespoon of salt looks like, like they can grab it and they go, I know exactly how much a tablespoon of salt is because the way they learned is probably by portioning out tablespoons of salt every time they cooked. Right. And for them, that's a very, like, they needed to see the recipe. They needed to, um, you know, I mean, cooking is very visual, but, like, they, mm-hmm. they they just processed that information differently. Yeah. So And, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, like, what you're, <clears throat> what you're trying to hit at here, because you're talking about, like, um, your process in, essentially, it's, like, your process in learning how to learn, right? Um, yeah. And... You, you know, there's a lot of these theories about learning, and this this one um, that I'm about to tell everybody is a big lie. Um, it's actually factually a lie. It doesn't it doesn't work like this. That there's people who uh, only learn visually, like there are uh, visual learners, there's auditory learners, kinesthetic learners, you know that kind of stuff. Like those are like the three main learning categories. Like I'm here to tell mm-hmm. you that like all of it is like kind of BS. Um, and mm-hmm. not that like we, like we, we can all prefer to like learn in specific ways, right? Like some people are like, I learn more visually. Uh, what that usually means is that, um, I prefer learning things that have some sort of visual component to them, right? Mm-hmm. People prefer learning things that have some sort of sound component to them, but all three of those kind of learning styles mm-hmm. are really, really important. But the fourth learning style that's not taught in our schools, which is what you're talking about right now, um, is experimentation, right? Yeah. It involves and all of those. I just, I think for learning anything, I mean, like something like math is a little bit more tangible and I'm, you know, I didn't major in math, so I don't know if you can experiment, like going back to the two plus two thing. I don't know if you can experiment with two plus two equals four, like, um, but with things, I guess, more related to the arts, cooking, dancing, drawing, music, uh, video, um, uh, journalism, writing, yeah. novels, poetry. Like, I think all those things is like, you just have to do it. Like, there's no if, ands, what's, or abouts. You just have to do it and try to approach the same thing from multiple angles and sort of find out like what what speaks to you. Like a very profound thing that happened to me in the last few years, or it didn't happen to me, another musician who's a little bit older than I am, I think he's like 34, 35, 
he said something to me because his roommate is one of the best saxophone players, young saxophone players in town. Like once all the older guys retire, he's probably going to be one of the like top guys in town. Like I'm not going to lie. He's so good. Okay. And, you know, everyone always talks about how good this guy is. He's like amazing. He's super talented. And then his roommate, I was talking to him and he's like, here's the thing. It's not that his, uh, his name is Dan. Okay. Daniel, whatever you want to call him. Uh, it's not that Dan is any more talented than anyone else. It's not that he's practices harder than anyone else. He's like that guy, you know, there are dudes who are like obsessive practicers and they're like, in order to be a prodigy, you have to practice like 15 hours a day. Like, right. And he's like, well, Dan really only plays like two to five hours, depending on what he has to do that day. Mm -hmm. He's like, the difference is that in those two hours or in those five hours, whatever he has for that day, he is practicing exactly in a way that allows his brain to process information quickly and instantly add it into his being. Mm. And he was like, Oh, well, so like he can be practicing for something for in a week or for a week, like a, a new concept or a new uh, thing that he's trying to learn. And, by the end of the week, he's instantly able to execute it. Right. Because early, and he's like, the reason why Dan got better than everyone else and is so amazing and talented is because he just figured out at a young age what spoke to him. And I don't know what his process is. I, a lot of it for him has to do with ear. Like, um, I think <clears throat> he just kind of goes for it. Right. Um, and, you know, but the thing is, I have other amazing sounding friends who I'm like, oh, my God, you sound amazing. And they practice 12, 15 hours a day and they drill their scales for, you know, hours on end. And it works for them and they sound amazing. And for some other people, you know, it's like just a short amount of like going for it and like imagining this specific concept. Mm -hmm. And I know like what I'm so saying sounds really vague because like I'm not trying to get too music e because i don't want to like lose people no no i think i think i can be a little bit of a liaison between that because i'm in the i think i'm in like a little bit of both camps right like i i kind of came up in in music but i also am not close to being the, the best musician but also uh i've done a lot of psychology work i've 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 learned a lot about learning and I, i'm really picking up what you're putting down right um good good you can translate for yeah me. what you're like what i'm what i'm hearing from you is essentially like uh to to really learn and execute something like to execute and learn an idea you have to engage with that idea in a way where it becomes a part of you um i that you can't really pretend to learn something you can't really pretend to know something but you have to actually know it and so getting to get there is sometimes it's a, a big part of that is that experimentation but um i i i you know i try to stay away from my whole experience too much in this podcast but like for example like my work as a therapist right like it requires an insane amount of empathy right maybe more empathy than I'm like naturally kind of inclined towards but mm -hmm. I think that becoming a therapist has made me a more empathetic person because I have to embody that empathy in order to do my job effectively right um, that empathy has to become a part of me for me to be able to do that job I can't turn empathy on or off you know, mm -hmm. in, in going back to the case of music, you can't, it's like, you can't turn knowing a scale on or off. It's like that scale has to be that run, that lick, that rhythm, that way of playing the horn or the instrument that you're playing has to be something that's ingrained into like who you are, into like your essence of your being essentially, mm -hmm. um, which sounds grueling and, and long and painful, but also it's more about, it's less about like the amount of time you spend on it and more about how you use that time to add that into like your identity maybe or mm -hmm. something like that. I don't know how, how, how that's hitting you. Mm -hmm. I think that people, humans are very capable of achieving many things. Um, but I think a lot of, a lot of people get discouraged because you know of of a roadblock 
you know, of of how information is presented to them. It's all it's all in the way it's presented and talked and absorbed. Um, and just, you know, for me now as I'm like independently thinking and not having someone tell me what I have to learn and how I have to learn it, mm -hmm. it's actually opened up the way that I learn things because I am sort of thinking for myself rather than just trying this, you know, very tangible academic method where it's like, you know, in school, you can't exactly tell a student to just like, well, you just have to try it until you figure it out. Cause that doesn't like look good on paper mm -hmm. to like administration. And like, you can't tangibly put a grade on something like, like a student can go through 50 variations of like, in my case, like a scale um, and try over and over and not get it. But maybe on the 51st chance, he or she will get the scale. But let, let's say the excitement was you have 50 chances to try it out and get it. You know, you can't really like put a, a grade to that because, you know, this kid has tried as hard as to learn this thing and like hasn't figured it out yet because he or she hasn't figured it out in a way that makes sense in their brain. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just think that it's, it's worth humans and people for anything you're trying to do. Like, and again, my background fully music, so may not apply to everyone, <laughs> but I just think it's like worth just thinking, like taking a second to think for yourself and like really like asking yourself that thing, like how do I approach this in a way to learn this information better? Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. Lawrence, it's not even only in music too. Like I know you're like scared that this might only be applicable to music because it's definitely not. Um, how we know, how we know, how we learned about black holes, right? Like came from that line of thinking. Um, somebody like it might've been Einstein. I can't quite remember, but whoever, whoever first theorized black holes or, or proved the existence of black holes through mathematics was basically like, the way that what we know about gravity and the equations of gravity, everything that we know about it points to there being a point in space where there can be infinite mass, you know, and infinite gravity. And like the closer you get to the center, the larger the mass and the larger the gravity gets like that. That's possible. Right. And so then Einstein went on that. Uh, I'm going to say Einstein. It might not be right, but he went on that like mental brigade or maybe it was the other guy. Um, the guy who just died recently. What's his name? The really smart one. Stephen Hawking? Yes. It might have been him. I think he was the one who mathematically proved black holes could be could exist. Einstein was the one who theorized them, right? So Stephen Hawking was like, it makes sense. Like, the math, like, makes sense. So I'm going to keep doing the math and experimenting on it, experimenting with the math until I find an equation that, like, fits our model of physics, right? Like, I know what my mm -hmm. endpoint is, and now I just have to do a lot of experimentation to make sure that the theory that I can come up with fits with our con conventional idea of physics. It's like, I really like what you're saying today because you're encouraging people to, to not just conform to this box that they've learned how to learn mm -hmm. for their entire life. Mm -hmm. And like, the thing is in the society that we live in now where information is so accessible it's so easy now to find an expert or a channel on YouTube or like an article written about the thing you're looking for. It's so easy. Mm -hmm. But I think that's also, also sort of our, our downfall a little bit because like now you have, you have people who um, like, if you just go back 30 to 50 years People didn't have, you know, information at the tips of their finger. They couldn't just, oh, well, let me find a video. Let me find an article about X, Y, and Z. And they had to do everything themselves. They had to be like Stephen Hawking and like theorize and like, how do I approach this and experiment over and over and over until I get to the point that I'm looking for or like the thing that I'm looking for. Yeah. And you know, I, I just feel like there's a lot of people these days who are consuming these articles and these content very freely and very just like, oh, 
it is you, this is what it is like and it's they don't ever take a second to think and like process it like yes it you know something it might have come from an expert in that field and you have to kind of trust their word for it but at the same time i don't think anyone not anyone but like i think there are a lot of people out there who are just taking the information in and going okay <laughs> that's it yeah and like there was this neil degrassi tyson thing he actually so neil degrassi tyson was on hot ones and uh <laughs> and i think sean evans asked him what he thought about like the state of the internet and what he thought about the internet's um, use in our age and he's like he's like I, I love it it's great like people can now learn about so like science so easy like it's so easy to learn about astrophysics and you know all these things he's like my biggest problem with it is that like the internet it just it blew up so fast and it caught up so quick that in in his words there was no guidebook for us how to use it it sort of just fell into our laps mm. so it didn't he's like i really wish that with the birth of the internet he's like i wish people had taken the time to understand like that like seeing the internet as a tool you know it's not just your answer key but i think a lot of people see it as an answer key like and it's just this thing and everything on it is very uh or i mean we're breaching into another topic yeah, but, yeah no, no no go for it um but like just he didn't he says that people didn't learn how to use the internet efficiently and now we're just consuming it and it's consuming us. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Well, it is, it is kind of interesting too. The, the way that like, I feel like I, I was probably, you and I were probably among the first generation of, of kids to like have any kind of like internet based assignments in school. Right. Um, I don't even know if you had it. Probably. Like, I don't, I don't know if anybody like older than us, much older than us, like within like five years older than us had any kind of like assignments in school where they were like actively encouraged to use the internet. Um, and so we were taught how to like search for things and stuff like that. But then also that came with the, that came with a thing. It's like, this is like how you find information and you're going to report on that information and you're going to assume it to be true. And, mm -hmm. and so now like we have a, a really big divide amongst people who were like, okay, well, I researched it on the internet the same way I learned in school, and it's true. And, you know, back in 2004, finding something on the internet and thinking that and letting that thing be true, probably, even though that's, you know, not entirely the case, higher likelihood that it's true in 20, 2004 than in 2020, right? Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. Yeah, like, I, I read this Reddit um, thread once that was like, teachers... Uh, in I think it was like 2017 or 2018 mm. teachers in 2018 like what's different about kids now versus like 10 20 years ago and one of the teachers said um, kids these days are like smarter than ever it's like absurd how smart they are it's like but at the same time none of these kids are thinking for themselves he's like a lot of these kids who are coming into school now are like really good at memorizing information because the information is so like in your face now and so accessible yeah um and but he's like but all these kids are is they can just regurgitate information like nobody's business yeah and he's like you know 10 20 years ago the kids you know quote unquote were dumber um, but everyone was more free thinking, thinking for themselves, um, had their own way. Um, and I think, you know, students now who, I mean, this is just an assumption because I don't teach, but like students now who don't learn well in like the very school academic rigid way probably are really struggling. Yeah. Like I have a little cousin who's really smart, um, but he like is so bad at school because he doesn't absorb information mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like in the way that it's being taught right now at school. Yeah. And so he's like getting D's and F's, but it's like when he, the teacher's like, I don't get it. Like in class when he answers the question, 
he's actually very clever and smart but then when he does the homework it, it like doesn't translate yeah for some reason yeah yeah it's a different it's it's he's being he's being told like this is this is what's going to measure how well you've been learning and how well he's been learning isn't measured by the specific measures yeah. that they give him yeah like the classroom stuff he's like in class real time visually he's like oh i got it like instantly mm-hmm. but they're like oh go home and read read the chapter and do the work he like is really struggling yeah for sure um you know so i guess to wrap everything up i kind of just encourage people and like usually i do this with my students but like just trying to do things it it never hurts to to jump outside of the box and think about the thing that you're doing and how it could be done better. And like there, there's that saying, like if it ain't broken, don't fix it. Right. Like, but like, I'm kind of into that, but I'm also like, well, but what if there's like a better way to do something? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like when I, what, what I've in the last two, I would say the last year when I've sort of figured out my own sort of thing, I would say a lot of it has just been sort of like, doing it um and the example i'll give is like um what what actually makes me get better is not drilling the same thing over and over it's like doing that one thing but approaching it from different points so musically speaking i'll practice a scale but usually i practice my like for a long time i would practice my scales in this pattern called the circle of fourths Mm -hmm. and that's how i practice scales every scale of any kind for like 10 12 years and that just never i never really like it never really opened up my playing like i never really felt connected to my instrument like i could just i got really comfortable with this pattern of circle of fourths and fifths yeah and i actually in quarantine i i watched this like online master class of um, a saxophonist I really, really admire. People ask, well, what's your practice routine? And, you know, I had a very strict routine kind of thing, even though I was like trying to think outside the box. I had like a routine. I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And right, this. right. And he was very like, he's like, before I get into like the nitty gritty, he was like, I kind of just like mess around and find something until I find something that like, speaks to me hmm. and then suddenly from there i take that thing and then i turn it into the exercise portion of my like the technical part of my practicing hmm. so instead of just practicing a scale over and over and over he like messes around da, 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 and then suddenly he's like oh here's this like um thing that i stumbled upon that i the, i like the sound i really like the sound or the the arrangement of the notes or like the rhythm he's like but i'm gonna focus on that Huh. he's gonna practice that one thing for like a couple minutes figure it out and then it's like okay well now instead of you know me old me would have just started to like oh let me practice this one thing in the way that i've just been doing it my whole life because i was told that this was a good way to practice it i'll pr- i'll take it through this pattern of fourths and fifths and um he said, he's like, you know, I'll take this, but, you know, I always try to change it. So, like, I'll start practicing it in whole steps, which is a different pattern. So, like, I'll play this, and then I'll go up a whole step, and then I'll play it. And then I'll go up a whole step, and I'll play it. And then I'll go up another whole step, and I'll play it. And yeah. then, like, it's like, and I'll go beyond that. I'll start practicing it in, like, minor thirds, which is, like, an interval in music. But his his whole point was, like, I'll take the same concept and just flip it around over and over and mm-hmm. over and seeing if there's what's the better way to approach um this one idea yeah dude i like that and it's it's not if it's if it ain't broke don't fix it it's don't dismantle what works but it doesn't only have to be that one thing yeah and i would say that i really only started that method maybe two months ago and the connection i'm making towards my instrument in terms of like the shapes it's just it's expanding the way that I hear the instrument and like so you could say well you do practice that if you practice it in the pattern of fourths and fifths you eventually will come across 
that pattern that you're going to practice instead of going up a whole step. Mm-hmm. Um, this probably doesn't make sense to not music people, but <laughs> you know, if I practice it in one, one key, let's say I practice it in C and then the net in the, in circle of force, the next key would I practice it in F. But then if I do it in whole steps, F isn't, uh, in whole steps related to C, I'd have to do it from a different starting point. And like what you're essentially doing is you're doing the same thing, but rearranging it in a different way. And you are practicing the same thing, but you're forcing your brain to rearrange that thing. And so that when it comes to playing music, suddenly your brain is able to think in many different shapes all at the same time, not at the same time, but like you can access a shape or a sound like a whole step sound instantly instead totally, of a fourth totally. type of sound. Yeah, absolutely. And so like you basically, the goal of music is to have command of your instrument. And even though for me, like let's say I I, I practice it in, in that circle of fourths and fifths, I will eventually play it in F. But why don't I play it from F starting from a different place? Yeah. Why don't I play it from F starting upwards or from uh, above it or from below it or like what if i take the pattern that i was practicing and just like flip it around and play it backwards like that's kind of this whole thing of that i've been trying to force myself to do is sort of this like find something that's challenging and then like dissect it into as many little bits and then put it back together yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and then when i go to actually apply quote unquote this thing that I've like, let's say I was practicing this one lick the way that has been making sense to me a lot for the last few months is sort of practicing a song. And it was always like, Oh, like if you can do it in real time, um, then you can, then you can do it. But if like, don't, you know, I was always told like, don't, you know, break it apart because you should just try to force yourself to do it in real time. Mm-hmm. And actually what I've been finding myself doing is like, let's say I'm practicing. It's like, okay, I get to this part of the song and I will play this. It's just how I practice improvisation. Yeah. I, I will do this. So I get there and I mess it up and it's kind of like, oh, okay. So like, let me like rewind the track and let me go back and try it again. And that's like kind of where I'll, I'll try it over and over and over, but like I'll isolate the over and over part. Yeah. And so I'm essentially just like throwing it at the wall until I get it. Um, because going back to the very beginning where my teacher said, well, you should just practice the scale. Once you master the scale, you can use it. That was never the case for me. So what I'm doing now is I'm, I'm throwing the scale at the wall over and over as I'm practicing until it connects to playing and using that in real time with the song. Hmm. I don't know, man. If people thought it went way over their heads, come back next time for something that might not. But I really, really enjoyed this conversation with you today. I'm glad. I, you know, the thing is, I didn't really organize a lot of my thoughts for this. Like, pr- like prior to this, I didn't go like, oh, you know, let me write these down. Let me, here's my ethos, legos, pathos, you know, my supporting evidence and... <laughs> I didn't really like think this through. I just kind of like, I'll just like freely speak. And I'm like realizing right now that because I am a rambler that I may have shifted the focus a lot, but I think everything relates if you listen to this or not relates, but everything makes sense and you can try everything if you just listen to this like in pieces and like take each thing that I've talked about and try that one thing one at a time and then move on to like the next thing. Absolutely. Um, But the next time I, if you were to do this again and have me on for like a different topic, I would probably want to plan this out a little bit more for me personally. (laughs) That's all good. That's all good. And there's definitely going to be time for you to come back on the show, but I really appreciate you being here today, man. Yeah. I appreciate it being here. And I will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Alright everybody, big thanks to Lawrence for coming out on the show and telling us about some stuff. If you want to, you can go follow him on Instagram at Lawrence underscore Pi, that's P-I, like the number, uh, where he posts a bunch of stuff about his life, about his music, and about his cooking from time to time. So, 
you see that cooking, give it some love. Yo Let Me Tell You is recorded and edited by me, Chandler Riley. Special thanks to Mark and Cabo for composing and recording all of our music. Show him some love at Mark and Cabo on Instagram and search up his YouTube, Mark and Cabo. If you like our show, let me know on Twitter and Instagram at SleevesMcFly and follow me at twitch.tv slash SleevesMcFly to keep the conversations going while I play video games, of course. Thank you all for listening, and I hope to see you next time. Bye-bye.